I'm so glad that God doesn't stay in bed when it's raining. <laughs> God has shown up in the house today, and he's got an appointment to meet with you, and he want to encourage you and, and, and strengthen you where you're at in your life today. So you can be excited because God is right in the house, and he wants to touch you today. Amen. Well, we've been in a series, um, What's in a Name? And I've even, uh, yeah, good, thank you. What's in a Name? This is the series that we've been doing, and uh, this is our third week that we're in this one. And our name that we're going to be looking at today is Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. And what does that mean? How is that relevant in my life today? But before um, I go into the detail on, of that, I want to go way back again. I want to go a little bit back to where God first revealed himself. Two weeks ago, I talked about how God revealed himself as Jehovah. And in the burning bush, I don't know if you can see that, but that's a bush that's on fire. And what happened was that Moses was in the desert looking after his sheep, and suddenly he saw this bush that was burning. But it wasn't burning up. The fire just kept going, so he went over closer to see what is going on. And when he did, suddenly a voice came out of the bush. I wonder what you would have done if a voice spoke to you from a burning fire. And it says, this is holy ground. Take off your shoes. This is holy ground. And Moses had an encounter with God at that burning bush. God told him, I've seen my people. I've heard them crying in their suffering. Because they had been in slavery for four, almost 400 years at this point. And they'd been crying out to God to set them free. So God said, I've seen, I've heard, and I've come down. This is me. I've come down in this bush today to reveal myself to you and say, Moses, I want you to go back to Egypt and get my people out of slavery and bring them to the country, the inheritance that I have for them. And at this burning bush, if you read this whole encounter in Exodus chapter 3, you find that Moses is very reluctant at first. He has a lot of excuses why he doesn't want to work with God. But then he asks God eventually, he says, but suppose I go, God, to the Israelites and, they, and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? then what do I tell them? I don't even know what, what to call you. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. That is what you're to tell the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And that is the name Jehovah. It's God's covenant name. It is a name that represents and emphasizes God as a person who relates personally with each one of us and who is an eternal being. That means that he has existed from eternity past to eternity future. There is no beginning and there is no end with this Jehovah God. And he is unchanging. These are some of the incredible things about God that you can't say about anybody else. He's a God when he speaks his word, he stands by it. People may fail, God is faithful. He's unchanging. Things around us change constantly. That is one thing about your God, Jehovah. He never changes. And he is eternal. So God said, you go and tell them that. This is my name forever. 
the name you shall call me from generation to generation, Jehovah. So this is the first time that God revealed himself. And then Moses went to Egypt. And if you remember the story, there were ten plagues. Now, the interesting thing, when you start studying these plagues, you find out that the Egyptians had many different gods. And actually, what God was trying to do, not only was he introducing himself as Jehovah, he introduced himself to his own people who had been in slavery for 400 years. They knew that they had a God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, their forefathers, but they didn't have a personal relationship with him. Now, God is introducing himself to the Israelites, and he is one plague after the other, he was showing that he was greater than the gods of Egypt. Each one of the gods that the Egyptians served, God conquered them through each one of the plagues that came, one after the other. And God was showing the Israelites that this is who I am. I'm greater than all the gods of Egypt and every other god. That is who I am. The one, the last of the plagues that came in Egypt before the Israelites came and, and, and got their freedom and got liberated from captivity was on the Passover. If you remember that story, it is a story where they were told um, that they should slaughter a little lamb that was without blemish, and they should take the blood and put it on the doorposts of their doors. And when the angel of death passed by, it would pass past their house if the blood was found on the doorposts. And this, which happened on Passover, is exactly the same time, many years later, that Jesus was sacrificed as the Lamb of God without spot or blemish, who died on the cross and took our sins upon himself on the cross. The Bible says that um, the wages of sin is death. We all deserve to die just like the Egyptians would have died there in Egypt if they hadn't applied the blood on their doorposts. But thanks be to God, Jehovah, he provided a way for us. And that is what happened when the Israelites came out of captivity. And the Bible says this was an exciting time because not only does this happen, but as they marched out to their freedom, the Egyptians gave them all of their wealth and said, take whatever you want, take and get out of here. We don't want you around anymore. Your God is too great for us. And so off they went into the desert. And I think there was great celebration and joy because, wow, 400 years of slavery and now we're free. Can you imagine the joy and the celebration as they marched out into the, into the desert? And here they go and they're very confident. They're very bold and excited. And as they march out, the first thing they're faced with, the Red Sea. Now what do we do? We've just come out. We've just got our freedom. We're running away from our slave, slave um, ca our captivity. But we can't get any further. There's this Red Sea. We don't have a boat. We don't know how to swim. It's long. It's massive. It's big. Sylvester was telling us about it last week. What do we do? And what did God do? You see, the Israelites quickly forgot about all the miracles God did in Egypt. And they started complaining to Moses and went into a wild panic. And they were like saying, Moses, did you bring us out here in the desert so we could die here? Because there weren't enough graves in Egypt, so you wanted us to die here? Is this the kind of God that you serve? 
And Moses was like, God, what must I do? And God said to him, grab your rod, stretch it out over the water, and as you do, I'm going to part the Red Sea, and you're going to walk through on dry ground. And that's what God did. An impossible situation where there seemed to be no way, God made a way. And if you're faced with impossible situations today, that's the kind of God we serve. He makes a way where there seems to be no way. So God led them through the sea on dry ground. The other amazing thing he did was that the Egyptian army followed them into the Red Sea. And what happened? They drowned the whole army. Those people who had been torturing and beating and punishing the um, Israelites under slavery, God brought judgment on them that day. And they all drowned. Their chariots, their horses, all of the soldiers drowned in that water. And Sylvester was telling us last week how Miriam and the ladies got their tambourines out and started celebrating and rejoicing in God's deliverance. Wow. Now, surely now, they believe that their God is able to do anything and everything. But we know from last week, three days later, it seemed like the, Egyptian, uh, the, the Israelites had forgotten all about what an awesome God Jehovah was. Because when they got three days later, they were thirsty. They were thirsty. And there was this place called Mara. They came to this place, and there was water, and they were thirsty. But the water was bitter. So I don't want to talk much about it, because Sylvester spoke about it last week, about how Moses took a stick and threw it in the water, and the bitter water became sweet. And all the people and their animals were able to drink water and be sustained. And at this place... Um, of Mara, where this water was turned sweet, God spoke and revealed himself once again. And this time he revealed himself as Jehovah Rapha. This is the one that we were looking at last week. God revealed himself to his people and said, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases that I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. And this is what God is to you today. He is Jehovah Rapha, your healer. He is our covenant-keeping God that we can call upon when we are in sickness and we are in pain. When we live in obedience to God, we can claim God's covenant name over our lives. Praise God. Now, the other, another incredible thing that I think is pretty amazing is that God decided to lead the Israelites with a pillar of cloud during the day, which provided shade for them because it's very hot in the desert. So this, this cloud provided shade, but it also provided direction. And they had to follow this cloud wherever it went, God was guiding them. Isn't that pretty miraculous? Supernatural? And then when it was nighttime... Instead of the cloud, there was a pillar of fire. 
And this fire kept them warm at night. You know, the, the desert gets very cold at night. This pillar of fire kept them warm, and it gave them light. And again, what an amazing supernatural thing. You've got God in front of your physical eyes, leading you and guiding you, and yet they still doubted. I wonder, are we like that? Or is it just the Israelites that were really stubborn and couldn't believe, and every time something came up, they thought that God had did, abandoned them? Or is it just human nature to be like that? The next thing was that they complained again. Didn't go a few days and then they complained. They said, oh, man, how we miss the food in Egypt. They ate such good food, and our tummies were always full. And now that we're here, oh, God, he brought us here that we should die of starvation. And then God brought quail, and he brought manna. And manna was sort of like in Shemas. Little pieces, and you could collect it every morning. It came with the dew in the morning, and you could go out and fetch it. And every single day, God rained manna down from heaven until the day that they crossed into their inheritance. What supernatural provision in their lives, day by day. And it's the same thing in our lives. God provides supernaturally in our lives in so many different ways, but we just get used to it, that we don't recognize or, or realize it, that, wow, I'm alive today. I'm breathing. I'm God's providing, God's protecting, God's watching, or God's doing all these things. But we get so used to it. And then as soon as something happens in our life, we're like, God's abandoned me. And yet he's right there all around you. So we would have thought by now that the Israelites have learned their lessons. They know that God is faithful. He's able to do anything. There's nothing that their God Jehovah can't do. But a few days later, we have the same problem that they had last week, that we were talking about last week in our service. They started grumbling and complaining, grumbling and complaining, testing God and quarreling and arguing and saying, really, we're thirsty again now. Feed us. We want more water. Help us. And this was the place that Moses called Massa and Meribah which means testing and quarreling. Because once again, the Israelites, instead of learning the lesson and starting to ask God and say, Father, we're thirsty, please provide for us. They started grumbling and complaining. I wonder what we do when we're faced with challenges, when something happens in your life. Is the first thing we do start grumbling and complaining like the Israelites? Or is it just them who, who do that? Or do we say, oh, wow, thank you, God. Here's another opportunity for you to show yourself strong in my life. And this place here uh, by Massa and Mariba is the place where Moses took a stick and he hit a rock and water came gushing out of the rock. So God can give water in any way that he chooses to. But I think by now, God was getting a bit fed up with the Israelites. I've done this, I've done that, I've done this, I've done that. And what do they do? They just complain like immature children. Complaining, grumbling. And I think God got to a point like he's like, I think it's time to grow these Israelites up a bit. So, 
what was the next thing that happened? And that's what we're going to look at today because they had their very first battle. Can I see my sword and my shield? Now, when you think of the Israelites, they've been in slavery for 400 years. All they know how to do is make bricks and build, okay? They're very good at that, but they don't know how to fight, okay? Now, they're in the desert. They're there with their children, their wives, their flocks, their herds. And now this enemy army of warriors, these Amalekites come, and they're trained warriors, and they're coming to fight the Israelites. Does that sound a bit unfair? That's an uneven battle, isn't it? I mean, you got these trained warriors coming to fight against these guys who don't even hardly know how to hold a sword. But this is what God allowed in their life. And there's a reason. Because God allows the battles in our lives to teach us lessons. So we're going to look at this scripture in Exodus chapter 17 and read it together. Because this is the place where God reveals himself as Jehovah Nisi, their banner. While the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow, I will stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Moses' arms soon became so tired, he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands, so his hands held steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. After the victory, the Lord instructed Moses, write this down on a scroll as a permanent reminder and read it aloud to Joshua. I will erase the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar there and named it Yahweh or Jehovah Nisi, which means the Lord is my banner. He said, they have raised their fist against the Lord's throne. So now the Lord will be at war with Amalek generation after generation. Ah, Here we have a picture of Moses up on the hill with his staff. Again, it's just a stick. Is there any power in this stick? Do you think that stick was magic? No. And yet, Moses made did so many miracles with that stick. He even turned it into a snake, and then he picked it up again, and the snake became a stick. There were so many things he did with it. But that rod didn't represent just a stick. It represented the name of the Lord. And that was what it symbolized. Now, when we talk about banners, I don't know how many of you were in church when I taught on banners when we were looking at the tabernacle. But we were looking at all the different colors in the tabernacle. And we were looking at how flags, banners, um, emblems, signs, all of these are the same words used for the same 
um, um, illustration. Basically, a banner or a flag is a stick raised high in the air and usually has something on it representing something else. So, for example, with this flag, it's got, all it's got is the color red, but red symbolizes the blood of Jesus. So, there's no value in this flag or very little value in the flag, but what it represents is very precious, right? And what used to happen back in the olden days when a, a, a nation would um, go out into battle, they would have a flag bearer who would carry their flag or their banner of their um, nation, and they would march out into battle. And that man who carried the flag was a strong man, and he was surrounded by strong men because that flag bearer carried the morale of the army. When they were fighting in battle, if they could look and see the flag was up, held high over there, they knew that they're still winning. It would still help them to focus and keep going. But if the enemy took out the flag bearer, they were in trouble. Their morale was lost. The people got separated and, and scattered. So it was a very important thing. And this is what Moses did when he was representing Israel on top of this mountain. Now, as we were talking about before, it was a very unfair battle. We've got um, warriors, trained warriors coming up against Joshua, who's never fought a battle before. And I think it was very obvious that there's no way we're going to win this battle until, unless God comes through for us. How many of you have been faced with a situation in your life where you're like, if God doesn't come through this time, I'm finished. Have you all faced situations like that in your life where it's like, this is, the odds are so great against me that if God doesn't come through for me now, it's over, it's finished. And yet somehow we got through. What an amazing God we serve. And I think this is what God wanted them to see because when Moses went up on the mountain, and he held that stick in his hands. As long as his arms were raised up towards the throne of God, the Israelites were winning. But when he got tired and his arms came down, immediately the enemy started winning. So back up again with his arms until he got too tired. And eventually we see in the picture here how Aaron and her held up his arms so that by sunset, when the battle was over, Israel had won their first victory against their first enemy. So this is a place where God reveals himself as, the, um, as Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, our banner. And our first point today that I want to mention is the name of the Lord is our banner. What do we raise in battle when we go into battle? The name of the Lord our God. Our worship team were singing together let other, today, let all other names fade away, but may the name of Jesus stand. In our journey in life, for us to reach the inheritance that God has for us when we come out of our slavery and out of sin and become a child of God, to come into that inheritance and the destiny that God has for you, there will always be and there are obstacles in the way. That is part of life. You're not going to have smooth sailing. Whether you're a Christian or not, there will always be opposition. 
But God will take our side in the battle when we fight. We need to learn to fight, but believe that God is going to take our side. And the Bible says if God is for you, if God's on your side, it doesn't matter how unfair the battle is, you're still going to come out the winner because he's on your side. Because God has given us his name that is our banner that we raise high in the air. There's a scripture in Psalms 20 and verse 5 that says, We will sing for joy over your victory. And in your name, we will set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. So the name of God is our banner that we lift up high. He is our other name. And so how do we do that effectively? Well, we've done it this morning. When we sing, when we're in a battle and we start declaring the name of God, the victory of God in our situation, the words of your mouth are so powerful. And when you declare God's victory, God's um, victory over your enemy, you are raising the banner of Jesus Christ over your life. You may not see it in the, in the physical, but you're raising it in the spiritual. And the Bible says that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it is against forces and principalities. So what we're doing is we're raising up a banner in the spirit through our declarations. And when the enemy sees it, that banner is raised up and the enemy will be defeated. What battle are you facing today? Throughout life, we will have many battles, but God's promised that his presence and his power will be with us, and he's assured us his victory when we declare him as our banner over our situation. Some of our battles are big, some are small. You might have financial constraints this morning, health problems, addictions, maybe abuse or relationship problems or stress at work, marital difficulties. There could be so many battles that we can be fighting. What battle are you fighting today? What battle are you in that you need God's victory? And my question to you as well is, are you grumbling and complaining about that challenge, that um, battle? Are you grumbling and complaining or are you saying, speaking the name of God, the banner of God over your situation? Number two, the name above all names. Our banner is the name of our God and his victory comes because we set up our banners in his name. Psalm 60 and verse 4 said, says, but you have raised a banner for those who fear you. You have raised a banner for those who fear you. A rallying point in the face of attack. So when we're under attack, when you feel like you're in the battle, in the middle of the battle, there is a banner that God has raised up for those who fear him. And it becomes like a rallying point. It becomes a place where we put our focus and say, oh, wow, I'm not going to lose myself in this confusion and this battle. I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. Philippians 2, 9 and 10 says, Therefore, God exalted him 
to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. There is no name that is higher than the name of Jesus. But how often do we lift that name up as a banner in our life and declare that victory in our lives? Many times we don't see God's victory in our lives simply because we choose to grumble and complain instead of doing what God has told us to do, to lift up the banner, Jehovah Nisi, in our lives. He wants to be that banner in your life. And when we declare his victory in our lives, the victory that Jesus won on the cross of Calvary becomes our victory in whatever situation we're faced with. Amen? Praise God. Now, I want to take a moment for us to look at Aaron and her again. Can we see that picture once again of Moses with Aaron and her? What do you think would have happened in that battle that day if Aaron and her had not been there? I wonder what would have happened. But we thank God that there was an Aaron and there was a her. Because sometimes in the wilderness of our suffering, we become very confused. When we're going through a, a battle and we're struggling, We can wake up some days and feel so strong and we can really fight in prayer. But there comes a time where we get discouraged. When it just feels like, oh God, are we ever going to get through this? And we can get quite confused, all of us, in the middle of a battle. We can feel lost. And all these questions can start hitting our minds. And Am I going crazy? Is God real? All these questions start coming. And it's easy for us to become distracted and lose our focus. Yet no matter what battle we're in, God's purposes still stand firm. He's appointed you and he's anointed you to accomplish his purposes here on earth, to make the love of Jesus known to the world. But when we become confused and we lose our focus on God, how important it is, is it for us to have an Aaron, to have a her? to have friends around us who can remind us to fix our focus on God as our banner and come back to center ourselves once again on Him. I want to tell you a few scriptures here about friends. Proverbs 18, 24 says, One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. Uh Uh-oh. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I wonder if you have a friend like that this morning or friends like that who stick closer than a brother, who you can rely on when you're in battle. Proverbs 12:26 says, "The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray." Do you choose your friends carefully? God wants you to do that because otherwise you get led astray. 1 Corinthians 15 and 33 says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. 
Okay, so the, here's some scriptures about the importance of having good friends around us. And you know, one of the times I think of uh, where one guy in the Bible that we know of who had a lot of battle is Job. And Job was faced with one battle after the other after the other where he lost everything that he held dear. And then he had this bunch of friends. Oh, and these friends, my goodness. They accused him and just made the whole thing worse. I think his wife was the worst of the lot. She said, curse God and die. That's not the kind of friends you want to have around you when you're going through battle. And as I said before, life is full of battles. You're going to have one after the other. And when you have one victory, guess what? There's another enemy ahead of you. There's another battle to win because God is growing you strong. And remember again, once again, the idea of you going into battle is not so that God can destroy you. It's so that he can make you realize God is for you. No matter how great the odds are against you, you're still going to come out victorious because God's on your side. So when we face our battles, let's face them with that kind of confidence, knowing that God is bringing us into the battle because he wants to give us the victory. So who are your errands and hers? Have you got good friends surrounding you who stand by you and hold up your arms when you get tired in the battle? Because if you don't have friends like that, you need to start praying for God to give you that kind of friends. And then my other question to you, are you an Aaron and a her? When your friend is going through hard things, do you make them focus their attention back on God and say, fix your eyes on Jesus. He's going to see you through. Do you build their faith? Do you stir them up? Are you a good her and a good Aaron in your friend's life? Or do you just lead your friends astray? Who are we this morning and what do we want to be? We want to take a moment this morning to pray for you, pray for any one of you who may have battles that you're fighting right now where you need victory. Or maybe you've got family who are fighting battles that seem so unfair, so impossible to win. May this word that we've heard this morning encourage your heart and stir your heart afresh to know that there's nothing that is impossible with God. God, Jehovah, is your banner. And when we raise him high above our circumstance and situation, God is able to come through for us. Amen. Hallelujah. I want us just to stand up together where you are. Just stand up together and just wherever you are in your life right now, if you're in a situation where you're going through a battle and you feel like you're standing very much alone, your family is here for you this morning. We want to stand with you today. If you're facing a battle, if you're facing a challenge and you're saying, I need a Ben and a Her. I need someone to encourage me and strengthen me this morning. I don't know how to do this on my own. Then I want to encourage you to come up to the front and we want to pray with you and stand with you in whatever you're going through and believe God for victory in your life. Amen.
So we're going to take just a time to pray now. And if you're here this morning and you've got a battle in your life and you've been grumbling and complaining instead of trusting God for breakthrough, just ask God to forgive you and declare him to be the banner over your life this morning. Let's do that now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If you want to come up to the front, if you want somebody to pray with you, you're welcome to come out of your seats and come to the front. We'd love to pray with you, to stand with you. If you're going through a battle, that you need someone to strengthen you and stand with you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. If God is for us, who can be against us? God is on your side this morning, and God wants to say to you, my beloved child, it's okay. Keep your eyes on the banner. My purposes stand firm for you, and my presence goes with you. My provision is enough for you, and my protection will ultimately bring you victory. I am with you, and I am for you. That's God's word to you this morning. Can I just ask our leaders to come and just pray, to stand with our friends here? Father God, we want to thank you that you are Jehovah Nisi. You are the Lord, our banner. And we declare you, Jesus, over our life this morning and over our circumstances, our situations, our challenges, and our battles. We declare your lordship over our lives. We raise you high, Jesus, in our lives. May you receive all the glory all the honor, and all the praise. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. We've come to the end of our service, so if you still want to get some more prayer, you're welcome to come to the front, and we'll be able to pray with you, but otherwise, the cafe is open. Please hang around and chat with your family. If you're new and you've never been here before, there's the Connect table. We'd love to see you there. And otherwise, invite a friend to next Sunday. Come and join us for the Christmas family service. Thank you. God bless you.